Thanks for joining in our singing this morning. Thank you, Dusty, for leading us if you have. Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our Bible study this morning. And I don't really want to preach to you as I do want us to explore a subject that uh, I think is something that Christians need to understand and have real convictions about. And that is the Christian and human life. I want to share with you as we begin a story that... Uh, took place from Franklin, Indiana, which is just outside of uh, Indianapolis. And I guess that this is the worst story I have ever read in my life. Let me share it with you, if I may. On Father's Day, Amy Shannonberger found her chubby-cheeked infant son, Tyler, face down and dead in his crib. Two days later, just hours after the Tots' funeral... Ronald L. Shannonbarger told his wife he'd killed their son. The next day, he gave police a confession saying that not only did he kill the boy, he planned the crime even before the child was conceived as a way of exacting revenge against his wife. Tyler didn't die of sudden infant death syndrome as the coroner had ruled. Shannonbarger said he confessed to suffocating the seven-month-old with plastic wrap. He said it was revenge because Amy, before they were married, had refused to cut short a vacation trip to comfort him when his father died in 1996. Shannon Barger said he planned to make Amy feel the way he did when his father died. He married her, got her pregnant, allowed time for her to bond with a child, and then took the boy's life, according to an affidavit prosecutor's filed to support the murder charge. Can you imagine anything more horrible than that? Here was a man whose father had passed away while his uh, girlfriend, fiance, was on a cruise. And uh, when his father died, he sent her a message asking her to come home to uh, attend the funeral. But she said, no, she wanted to continue the cruise. And she did. And he made up his mind that he was going to do something to punish her. And so uh, it took a period of over two years, but he married her. They had a child, and then the child had grown to be seven months old and was a beautiful child. And while his wife was at work one evening, he took plastic wrap, wrapped it around the baby's head, and suffocated the baby. And then later he sold his, uh, the law enforcement people that he had done this because he was mad at his wife and wanted to get even because she wouldn't come home when his dad's funeral was being held. Human life is very sacred. When you and I begin to read the Bible, we find that it is something that the Scriptures have a lot to say about. Maybe you remember the uh, Old Testament Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, the Sixth Commandment was, "...you shall not murder." Later, over in the book of Exodus, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 17, when Israel was preparing to go into the land of promise, the Ten Commandments were given again, and they simply said, You shall not murder. And murder is considered, I guess, the worst of all crimes. Now, the older translations of the Bible, like the King James Version and the Revised Standard Version, simply say, You shall not kill. But later, when the King James Version came out with the New King James Version, they added, you shall not murder. 
Jesus had a lot to say about this. Over in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Jesus said, You have heard it said, You shall not kill. But Jesus said, I say unto you, Whoever is angry with his brother or sister is subject to judgment. You know, anger was what got Shannon Barger in trouble. Anger was the cause of the first murder in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. When Cain murdered his brother, he did so because he was angry. There are 265 verses in the Bible that talk about the subject of anger. Someone who would lose their temper and reach out and actually murder someone. Well, now with that in mind, i got three things I want us to look at today. First of all, what about capital punishment? Now, the Bible says you shall not murder, but what about capital punishment? Did you know that in the Old Testament, there were 16 offenses that were punishable by death? If you want to make a list of this 16, they are premeditated murder, kidnapping, striking or cursing your parents, sorcery, bestiality, sacrifice to a false god, working on the Sabbath, sacrificing children to a pagan god, adultery, incest, homosexuality, blaspheming God, being a false prophet, having an incorrigible attitude, fornication, and rape of a betrothed virgin. Those are all things that under the Old Testament law said that you should not do. Now when you look at that list that begins Genesis chapter 9 verse 6, and that is before the Old Testament law was given, after the flood, God gave this law, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. He said, And whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. So very beginning, we find that it was uh, God's law that if someone had committed murder, then they were to be murdered themselves, or they were to be executed themselves. Also on that list was working on the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 35, verse 2 said that, Six days you shall rest, but if you work on the Sabbath day, you will be put to death. You know, I might think of that today. If we tried to live by that, anybody work on Saturday, they would be executed as such. And then over in Leviticus 20, verse 13, it says that if any man lays with another man like a woman, then both of them are to be put to death. And if you doubt that, you may want to look up your own Bible, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. But the death penalty was never considered to be a violation of the Sixth Commandment. And as these were carried out, they were done so by the approval of God as He had given these directions to His people. Executions were carried out in four different ways. They were carried out by stoning, by burning, by beheading, and by strangulations. And those were the ways that people would obey the commands of God to carry out that which was done here against someone. Now, well, somebody might ask, well, what about crucifixion? Well, crucifixion was a Roman's way of executing people. And the Jews did not have the power or the authority to order an execution. So over in Mark 15, verses 12 through 15, they had to appeal to Pilate. Because as a Roman governor, he was the one who had the power and the authority to order someone to be crucified. Very interesting, as Paul dealt with this over in Acts 25, verse 11, 
When Paul said before uh, Festus, he said, Now, if I have done anything that is worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. He said, If I have committed some crime that is crime that is worthy of the death penalty, he said, Then go ahead and kill me, because uh, I acknowledge that that is your right. My understanding on this subject is that the death penalty was initially initiated by God. And as such, if you had asked me if I would support the death penalty, I would say that I do, because I think that that was what the Word of God said. Well, number two, the second period here on this is, what about abortion? Now, you talk about a hot potato in our country. It is about abortion. Dr. Everett Koop who uh, was at one time the Surgeon General of our country from 1982 to 1989, said this, Abortion has become the largest social political issue to divide our country since slavery. Evidently, there are those on one side who are absolutely against abortion, and then there are those who are absolutely in support of abortion. And that is something that is being looked at and debated in our country. It seems to me, from what I see, that there are eight stages of human development. There is the sperm, there is a zygote, there is the embryo, the festus, the the fetus, the infant, the child, the youth, and the adult. Now, those eight stages of human development... Killing has always been wrong in stages 5 through 8. But the question comes about, well, what about those who are in the early stages? When does life begin? And that's the big debate. Over in the book of Exodus, chapter 21, beginning in verse 22, there is a story of a group of men or two men who get into a fight. And uh, as they do, there is a woman who is pregnant. And as they are fighting, they hit this woman who is pregnant. And the Bible says that if the baby dies, then the one who has caused that is to die because it is life for life. And evidently the uh, understanding was that this was someone who had a living organism in them, and if they caused the death of that infant, then they were guilty of murder, and they were to be executed themselves. Now, this is not a medical issue, basically. That is, it is not the uh, question of saving a woman's life. It is also not an issue of potentially handicapped children. That is, if someone realizes they would have a handicapped child and so they choose abortion, is not the main issue. But birth control is the real issue about abortion. And 80% of all abortions are carried out on unmarried women. Now, when does life begin? Let me share a scripture with you, and you may want to look this up. Psalm 139 And I'd like for us to begin at verse 13. Psalm 139, beginning at verse 13. And here the psalmist wrote, For you created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And it seems from this passage that as we look at the psalmist, as he looks at the uh, unborn, that he looks at one who is alive. And as you and I understand that, then we would support, I think, that someone who is an infant inside the womb is alive and should not be killed. It was in 1973 that Roe v. Wade became the law in our country. And that was that the woman has a right to have a child only if that child is wanted. Abortion is not easy. There are two things I do. Number one, if you are thinking about that, I would encourage you to consider it very carefully. I would encourage you to uh, do some reading and some research and find out that abortion often causes problems that endure on and on for a lady after she has had an abortion. And it is a thing that definitely has consequences. It is not something easy, not something that you should enter into very lightly, but something you should consider very carefully. And number two, it may be that you've had an abortion. And I want to tell you what you need to realize is that our God is a loving and forgiving God. And even if you regret very much what you have done, I want you to know that our God is able to forgive and love you even if you have made that decision. Abortion, a very hot potato in our country and in dealing with many people. Well, number three, the third area of this is what about euthanasia? Well, euthanasia is described this way and defined this way. It is the intentional ending of life in order to relieve pain and suffering. Now, it is often called assisted suicide. Probably the one who brought this to the forefront in our day was Dr. Jack Kevorkian, who was a believer in assisted suicides and very often was involved in helping people commit suicide. Now, there are two kinds of euthanasia. One, there is active euthanasia, and there is passive euthanasia. Now, active euthanasia is causing the death of a person through a direct action in response to a request from that person. That is, the person may request a, uh, some kind of medicine that uh, would very likely cause them to die. And if given to them and taken, and uh, then they die, then that would be an assisted suicide or active euthanasia. It is legal in four states in our country. It is legal in Washington, Oregon, Montana, and Vermont. That is also something that is legal in numerous countries. Japan and Germany and Switzerland, Belgium, Colombia, and Quebec in Canada, and some other nations around the world. Now, on the other hand, there is passive euthanasia. 
and that is defined as altering some sort of support and letting nature take its course. And that would be such things as turning off a respirator that a person was on, or withholding medicine, or discontinuing food and water, or a failure to resuscitate. Now, my father knew that uh, it was possible for him to have a heart attack and maybe go into cardiac arrest. And so he wore a bracelet that said, do not resuscitate. And that simply meant that if he went into uh, cardiac arrest, that uh, he did not want to be resuscitated. And that is something that a person sometimes chooses to do. Over in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Solomon wrote this. He said, There is a time and a place for everything under the sun. He said, There is a time to be born, and there is a time to die. And every one of us face that. Now, being one that has passive euthanasia is not something that at one time people had to face. Because in olden days, 70% of people who died, died at home. But now, 70% of people who die, die in some kind of a health care institution. Now, probably the most popular that we know of is the hospice. And uh, when a person goes to a hospice, they're going knowing that there is not going to be any attempts to uh, increase or to prolong their life but simply to make their life as pleasant and easy as they can as they are now undergoing it. People we find today, and I guess what we deal with most often, is passive euthanasia. And we find somebody who is in very serious, very critical shape. Maybe they are in severe pain. Maybe the doctor would say that they are brain dead and there is no hope for recovery. And the question is, shall you pull the plug on the respirator that maybe is keeping them alive? That's a very difficult decision to be made. My uh, brother-in-law's mother was in a situation where for 13 years she was in a nursing home in a fetal position and they simply kept her alive by simply uh, feeding her and giving her things that were needed with her having no knowledge of anything, no brain activity at all, but for 13 years they continued on that. Pull the plug or not? I would never advise a person to do that. But if a person tells me that that's what they have done with the doctor's direction, because there is no hope, then I would certainly believe that a person has done something that is not wrong. Over in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31, verse 1, we find that uh, Saul is in a battle, and he recognizes that his people have lost and that he is going to be captured. And so he asks his uh, armor bearer, if he would, to take his sword and run him through. But the armor bearer said, Sorry, I cannot do that. 
And as a result, Saul then fell upon his own sword and took his life so that he would escape being tortured as the uh, enemies of God's people often did. It meant that they would put out their eyes and do all kinds of things to make them very uncomfortable, cut off their thumbs, make them so that their hands were not nearly as useful. And so rather than facing that, Saul ordered his own death. There's a story over in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 23 through 28, that involved King Solomon. And the situation involved two women who had babies. Evidently, the babies looked very much alike. And uh, one of the babies died, and both women claimed that the one that was living was their baby. And so they were brought before Solomon as to decide which one was the mother So Solomon, as he heard the situation, he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a sword and we'll cut the baby in two and let each woman have half of the baby. Well, one woman said, that sounds all right to me. The other mother said, no, we will not do that. Solomon said, that's the mother. You can tell at the mother who would not let anything happen to this baby that that is the mother of this child. And the Bible says that the people rejoiced and they were in awe because the king had wisdom from God to administer justice. And I would just say that if you are in a case where you are needing to make a decision of this matter, that you pray to God for wisdom, that you would be able to do the thing that is right. Shannon Barger, when he went before the judge in the trial, was convicted of murder, and he was sentenced to 49 years in prison. It so upset his wife and the mother of the baby that he did not get death, which I think would have been an appropriate end for one who had done something as wickedly as he had done and taken the life of a precious seven-month-old baby. This is a question you're going to deal with on some sort, on some level, and I wanted you to have a little bit of instruction from the Word of God about how to deal with a Christian and human life. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Father, we know that we are faced with some issues and some problems that deal with life that maybe we're not really able to deal with. And I just pray, Father, that you will give us wisdom so that we will know how to react. How to react, dear Father, toward capital punishment and through abortion and through euthanasia. We love you, Father, and are desirous of doing your will in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church family. If that's your desire, we would welcome you into our family. Maybe you'd like to come and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Or maybe there's some other way we could be of service to you. I'll be at the front. Our elders will be at the back. And if we can help you in any way, if you'd like to respond, why don't you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song, Invitation, together. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, 
There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see His face, will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater.